just stay in an attitude of receiving and waiting on God and just pushing pause. But God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So as we just stay in this attitude of worship, as Joey brings the word to us now, continue just to bring, well, keep the book on the stage, just continue, bring those words. Bring what God is saying. Let us embrace what, what God is saying to us this afternoon. Amazing thing is, he continues to speak. Continues to speak, we must just listen. And even now, for some of us, let us switch the switches of our heart from transmit to receive. Let us wait on God. Let's listen to what he's saying. Be free to come up and share what, and in the book, write what, what you feel God is prompting you to write. So we thank you for the word that Joey's going to bring now. Thank you that we've had a time of just entering him to the presence of the king. Let's remain there. As Thank you, Jesus. Let's just remain in an attitude of waiting on God and continue to see him move. Father, we thank you that for Joey, thank you for the word that he's bringing to us now. Thank you for the download that you've placed on his heart and what you've asked him to share this afternoon. Just pray that we would be open to hear what you are wanting to say through your servant, God. We'd wait on you, listen to you. So I pray that you'd speak now, God. As Joey delivers what you've placed on his heart, that you would speak through him and to us that we would hear what the Spirit is saying. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks, Lee. Thanks to the musicians. That was an amazing time of uh, worship. Thank you to uh, Daniel and Mariska for leading us there. That was amazing. Maybe we can just give them a, a clap. Thanks, Daniel and Mariska. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So you guys have dismissed your kids, yeah? They're safe and sound and just gen kids. That's out of the way. Uh, I just want to thank uh, the guys that did bring uh, prophetic words through uh, and, and wrote them down because I just want to, um, I don't know if congratulate's the right word, but let me just congratulate you anyway because they really, you're hearing from the Lord. There's a lot of stuff that's just spot on that I feel the Lord is wanting to share with us. Um, this afternoon, so uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of great to prep a message and then get confirmation that you know you're on the right track. But um, even if I didn't get those confirmations, I was still going to share this message because anyway, I'm going to try and part my heart. So um, today um, I am going to be sharing on perseverance, and I think perseverance has got uh, different angles on it. You know, sometimes we persevere because we just stand on the word of God. You know, we've got a scripture that God has given us, and we just stand on this, and we persevere just because we have that scripture. And um, the perseverance that I wanted to talk about today is a little bit different. It's, it's just how the Lord led me when I was prepping, and I think the Lord led me this way because it's very much something that I felt that I want to keep firm in my life, and um, I, I trust that it's a blessing to you as I share it with you that you'd also want to keep it firm in your life, and that is perseverance based on your personal 
intimate walk with Jesus. But it goes deeper than that, and hopefully today I'll open it up, or the Lord will open it up more through his word. So yeah, let's pray. God, we just pray as we come before your word, as we experience the word right now. Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to you. We all saints here, anxious for your direction, anxious for your Holy Spirit, anxious for your peace, anxious for your fathering. And Lord, I just pray that as we, that you'd speak, Lord, I'm, I'm anxious that, to hear you too. Lord, that we would leave this place in 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 40 minutes in a better place than we walked in, Lord. More settled, more ready to run the race, more effective for you and more blessing to others. So speak to us, Holy Spirit, we pray. Everyone said? Amen. So I do actually have two words there that I really felt um, the Lord, uh, and uh, to be honest, most of them were, were spot on, but um, this one was talking about um, just reading each other. If we let him, God will show us each personally. Uh, the, the things, so if we let him, God will show us each personally. And I'm just trusting today that God will speak to each one of us personally. The things weighing us down, slowing us down, preventing us from running the race well. The race. So let's start with Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. And um, we had a look at this earlier as well. Uh, Lee, Lee brought it up earlier. What, um, what am I? I'm motto. Why don't you open it? Trina, why don't you open it for me? Thanks, man. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles key part and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Just pause there for a sec. So let us run with perseverance. So those three words, run, let us, or five words, let us run with perseverance. Okay, keep that in your mind. The race marked out for us, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That's another one part that you can keep in the back of your brain. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfect of our faith, who for the joy set before him. The joy set before him. That's another little part there. Endure the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I just felt to put into us today as a congregation is that and I think the older Christians that are, well, I'm not going to judge you, but let's just say you're doing well, okay? The Lord looks down and he's doing well. The older Christians, I think this, most of them would agree that the Christian walk is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And the way that you run a sprint is different to the way that you run a marathon. And sprints are easy. You just run your butt off, okay? Just go. But marathons are very, very technical. And I know that there are some guys here that, and I'll talk about it in a, in a moment, in the Comrades Marathon, which is actually the oldest and largest ultramarathon in the world. You didn't know that little oldest and largest ultramarathon in the world. It was, I think it started in 1921. And there is someone in our midst, I think they're here, but they might be at Josh and Kids, that has done the 
Comrades Marathon, which is 90 kilometers in one day, 15 times. Have I got that right? And that's Marius. <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty insane. I mean, I think if someone ran it once, it's a, we would actually give you a clap um, and a standing ovation. Why don't we give him a standing ovation? Come on, yes, I just come on. Hey, come on. <laughs> okay, well, you got a standing ovation. So, um, you know, 15 times, Marius, I think there's something in you. Not every type of personality can do something like that 15 times. And then, of course, Michelle next to him, not quite as much, but um, Michelle has done it. Let me see. I've got it here somewhere. Just remind me. Five times. I should have done Marius first. Uh, sorry, I should have done Michelle first. And then you would have got a standing ovation and then the guys would have just collapsed when they heard yours. <laughs> so, running a marathon is not like a sprint. And you'll notice as you looked at that scripture, that first little phrase that I asked you to keep in your mind, run with perseverance. Now, no one would use the word perseverance for a sprint. Yeah? No one says, hey, sprint with perseverance. Just go. But a marathon is perseverance. It's the long haul. And, you know, when you first get saved, you think, you know, Jesus is coming tomorrow. I only have to last a week or a day or seven days. Or, you know, when Andrew and I first got saved back in 1989, we were convinced that Jesus was going to come in at least three years so we didn't have to go to university or anything, you know, because what's the point? You know, like, he's coming back. It's going to waste our, our time, you know. That was 30 years ago. How, how much did we miss it, you know? Um, not three years. It's been 30 years. He still hasn't come back. So it definitely is a marathon. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul says, do you not know that in a race that all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And when you run a marathon, and I'm sure you can chat to Morris and Michelle afterwards, you run a marathon differently to the way that you run a sprint. You run it in such a way that you can actually pull this, this thing off. There's no way that he's going to run 90 kilometers and just, oh, you know, I'm just going to run. And I'll see you in 12 hours. He's running that race in such a way, he's pacing himself in such a way that he's actually going to end up finishing that race and getting that medal. You need to look at a race in a certain way. You've got to look at the beginning of the race, the middle of the race, and the end of the race. And I think for us, we know what the beginning is. The beginning is when we get born again, we get full of the Holy Spirit. And we know the end. The end is when we get united with Jesus. We are the bridegroom. He's the bride. He's waiting for us and we're waiting for him. So that's the beginning. That's the end. What I'm preaching on today is the middle. And the middle is what most of our life is consumed with. Most of our life is the middle. And many don't make it through the middle. I've got friends that 
and uh, Yaku van Rensburg knows, knows him. I won't mention his name, but he knows him. I saw them worshipping Jesus when they were 19 years old. Tears streaming down their face. Ask him. They're not even walking with the Lord anymore. Nothing. Full atheist. How do you go from this with tears to, I'm an atheist now, I don't believe. Because he didn't run the race, as Paul said, in such a way as to get the prize. And I feel like today, I'm, hopefully, I'm going to give you something that is going to equip you that way. And it's really important that you look at the way ahead. Because for some of us, we're in this for another 10 years. Let's just say Jesus doesn't come back for in our lifetimes. Some of us are in this for another 10, another 20, another 30, another 40, another 50. If you're under 20, you could be in this for another 70 years. I want to see in 70 years that you're still walking this thing. Because either Jesus comes back first, or you die and go to him. And you die in him and then be joined to him. 70 years is a long time. Are you going to be able to run this race with perseverance? Because many fall by the side. And Marius, how many, you must have passed so many guys lying and given up, eh? Not everyone that starts the Comrades Marathon, I don't know what the stats are. Not everyone that starts it finishes it. Many fall by the wayside. How can you finish? And you have an adversary as well. Not only your own sinful nature, you have an adversary trying to trip you up called Satan. Trying to trip you up. Trying to deceive you that you don't finish this race. You've got to see the race clearly in front of you. Um, I was a sports coach in Bali. You know that Don and I lived in Bali for eight years. Uh, and we worked at an international school. And we had, uh, I remember my final year there, we had uh, uh, international school sports day. Ten schools. And we had the cross country. And I was the head coach. And I looked at the track. Yeah, and it runs, you know, if you know Bali, it runs through lots of jungle and everything. And I looked at the track and I went, there's very, very, very few passing opportunities. Like I said, there's a passing opportunity over there, but it's really slim. So I looked at it as the head coach and I went, and I had about 50 guys in the run and I went, guys, here's the track. You've got to get in front in the first minute or two. And then... If you just hold a decent pace, they're not going to pass you. Check the track. And they, they were like, the passing opportunities are so few. The guys held up to their plan, and I can, I'll be honest now, it was almost embarrassing at the end. It was Changu school. It was like first, Changu school, second, Changu school, third. Chang- because the game plan worked. If the other head coaches had bothered to look at the track, it wouldn't have been like that. But no one else bothered to look at the track. They trained their guys, and some of their guys were better than us. But they didn't look at the track ahead. I bothered to look at the track, and I went, this is how you win it. And you guys are got to look at it, look at the track ahead for each one of your lives, and go, I'm going to run in such a way as to get the prize. I can guarantee you that Marius, after running 15 times, he's not, when, he, when he starts, he knows. I run in such a way as to finish. There's no way you finish 15 times without knowing how to win. He knows. You need to know too. And I've got a key that I'm going to drop a little bit later that you might think is quite unusual. And there's layers to it, but um, let's see where we go with it.
All right. You are a bridegroom, okay? Uh, that means you are about to be a wife, or will be a wife. Bride, will be a bride. That's much better said. You'll be a bride, yeah. Okay, we'll move on. I'm not going to get stuck there. Um, you, are, you are a bride. So what did I say? Bride? Okay, sorry, okay. Jesus is the bridegroom. You are a bride. I was... I was I was going somewhere with this, and that's why I got stuck up on the gender. So, um, and I know for the males in this thing, you're like, I don't really want to be a bride. I'm, I'm a tough South African male. Okay, I will not be a bride. But the ladies, of course, have got to be sons. So if they can be sons, you can be a bride. And I know they are daughters as well. Okay, so you are a bride betrothed to a bridegroom. Okay, everyone. And you are waiting for him. And we see that in the parable of the ten virgins. This is in Matthew 25, Matthew 25, 5. And here we see the marathon aspect. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. The bride's not necessarily arriving tomorrow. For some of you, the bride might be arrive, the bridegroom. <laughs> For some of you, the bridegroom might be arriving in 50 years' time. For some of you, it's a wait. And you're going to enjoy it. I mean, you're going to enjoy it. But I tell you what, there's a lot we're persevering. Who finds aspects of the Christian walk like really not fun? All the guys put their hands up first. Because they've been through the battles, they've got the scars. They've seen their friends fall. The young guys are like, oh, I got this. You ain't got this. <laughs> Let me drop a little leadership thing. Without leadership, I've had leaders chain me sticking. Not even, I'm not even talking about Josh Jen. I've had leaders, they, if I, I would not be standing here today if, unless they chain me. I guarantee I'll be off on some weird tangent. Because our hearts are deceitful and we're our own worst enemy. Sometimes Satan's like, I don't even want to, I don't need to go near there. You're just messing up your own life. He doesn't even need the demon. We're blaming stuff on demons that are actually our own hearts that are full of idols and, but we're all the same. Matthew 25, 3 to 4, that's following. And the foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, and today, we're training to be the wise ones. Remember, there's five that are foolish and five that are wise. I mean, that's quite sobering statistics. I remember when I sat in university, and I, I didn't pass university, okay? Just, that's not an accolade. I sat, in, I sat in, in university, and the lecturer starts at the first day. He said, look to your left, look to your right. Only one out of the three of you is going to be here next year. And I was one of the, I wasn't going to be there the following year. But that's... <laughs> That's how hectic the, st- the stats are on university. How's, okay, I'm, I don't, I'm not making theology out of this, okay? But I think that we need to take something out of it. I'm not saying it's 50%. Please, it's not. I don't know what it is. It could be, we, we, we have no idea. Only God knows. But I, I, those are kind of sobering stats that the, Jesus decided to put in there. Five that made it and five that didn't. I mean, that's quite sobering. I think the, the, the message is there is be warned. 
Be warned. It's like 50-50 there. I don't think it's 50-50. I mean, I'm quite, I've got quite strong Calvinistic trends as well, yeah? Like you're, you, you're solid, yeah? But be warned. Paul was nervous. Listen, if Paul's nervous, Paul, please pick up your Bible. He writes, at least half of that New Testament is nervous. If you're not even a little bit nervous, put that in there. Put that in there. He, he knew what was at stake. And he knew that not everyone finishes. He said, my fear is that after I've preached to others, that I will be disqualified. His own words. My fear. It's a little bit of nervousness there. We need to be sober-minded. Matthew 25, 67. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here is the bridegroom. Here is Jesus. The word of God says that the world's going to be carrying on as per normal. People are going to have their wedding date. They carry on getting married. Someone's going for a job interview. Someone's going surfing. Another person's playing golf. And Jesus comes. He says, in the days of Noah, so it will be when Jesus comes back. They were just going about their stuff with some weird guy building a boat up on the hill there. That they thought was, that oak has lost the plot. Just going about their lives and you'll suddenly be here. And the trumpet rings out. Cry rings out. He has the bridegroom. I think uh, Revelation talks about a trumpet, but not sure if it applies here. Come out to meet him, talking to the virgins. That's us, the bride. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Some, unfortunately, because they had no more oil for their lamps, they could no longer see him. I think that's actually the issue. They, 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 they had no more oil for their lamps. So when they, it was at night. So when Jesus appeared, they couldn't see him. What did we read in that beginning scripture? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Their eyes were no longer fixed on him. They somehow, their gaze had gone to Xbox or getting rich or whatever, getting popular, whatever. Their eyes were no longer in Jesus. They couldn't see him. And we know that they missed it. During a race, you're aware of the middle, but your eyes are actually on the end. Your eyes are on the finish line. If you only run 70% of the race, do you get anything for 70%, Marius? How about 80? How about 90? How about 99? 99.9? Okay. I could do 99.9 if I don't finish that race. Zip. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the end. When he's running, he's got the end in sight. When you're running right now, you need to have the end in sight. So if I'm pointing, please help me. I need to go like that. Do you know why they don't point an army? Because it looks like a gun and you're going to shoot someone. Okay, So you've got to point like that. All our corporals used to point like that. Hey, troop. So, but Donna says I've got this long bony finger and it looks like really threatening. So, so, so you need to keep the end in sight. You need to keep the end in sight all the time. Keep your eyes fixed. 
What are you, a bride waiting for a bridegroom? That's your purpose. Your purpose isn't to be popular. Your purpose isn't to be rich. You could be. Your purpose is to be a bride, individually and corporately. Keep your eyes on the prize. And if your prize is not Jesus, the Lord help you. Because you're built for him. May buy him and for him. You've got a God-shaped vacuum that's in the shape of Jesus. And I tell you, that's the only thing that's going to fit. And you can fill it with food, toys, people. It won't fit. Jesus will fit. You're made for him. Every single one of us. Unsaved, saved, we're made for Jesus. By him and for him. Colossians 1. Are you longing for Jesus to come back? Are you longing for Jesus to come back? If you're anything like me, you'll go through stretches where you've not even... You love him, but are you longing for him to come back? You know, have you ever been at a... At, just picture yourself at a very lonely bus stop. Very lonely, like countryside. Let's just say you're out there by Riba Castile or something, you know? But your, your car broke down and you've got to catch a bus. Okay, so you see a lamp post, the bus stop. It doesn't even say the times on it, also because it's South Africa. It doesn't say the times on it. So, um, but you decide that a bus should come here. Look, it promises a bus at least, you know. And because we're South African, we're tough, and we used to, you know, hanging in there. So you sit down at the bus stop, and I tell you what, if you put your earphones on. And you stare into Facebook on your phone. I tell you that bus is going to go past you and miss it. And because you're nervous, you'll never do that. You'll be like, <laughs> you know what it's like. Because those, it's also South Africa. They're not necessarily going to stop for you, okay? And if you're waiting for a taxi, it's even worse. Taxis, I mean, whether they stop or not. But if you flag down a taxi, they will. They're very faithful that way. I've heard. <laughs> But you, your eyes are going to be on, you're going to be waiting. Your eyes are waiting. Are you longing for his appearing? Because you could be sitting like this with the earphones on and your phone and Jesus comes and Jesus goes and you're like, I don't know what your theology is on the rapture. I'm not saying that the rapture is a thing, okay? But some of you may think it's a thing and that's fine. Maybe I do. I don't know. Okay, I don't, I don't care if there's some unknowns, okay? It's not important, okay? But... Uh, but Jesus could come and Jesus could go and you can go, how come Don is not here? And they find a car next to the road and the car is empty. And the radio is still going and her phone still there. And I don't know if you get raptured with your clothes. I'm not preaching rapture, okay? Okay. But you're like, the, the bottom line is, Lots of the, the bottom line is she's gone and you know she got rapture. I can't, how do I get into rapture? It's not on my notes. Okay. My point is, I'm trying to link Jesus comes, Jesus goes, takes the bridegroom has come and taken his, bri- his bride, and you're still sitting there and you're like, oops, because I wasn't, keep, I wasn't watching for the bus. I wasn't longing. 2 Timothy 4 7 to 8, Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And he's in prison now, about to die. I think 2 Timothy's written just before he's beheaded. 
I've kept the faith. Now there's a sto- in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, and here it is, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Are you longing for his appearing? You've got to pick up the heart of a bride in this preach. It's really, I could have, it's called establishing your heart. So I'm looking at the scripture now. But it could be, be a bride. Be an expectant bride. You're betrothed to someone. And I got this one here. I think Adele got this one here. My beloved, you are mine. I've redeemed you. I chose you. I love you. There's the heart of God for you. Coming through a saint. It's a prophetic word by the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaking through a saint. My beloved, you're mine. I have redeemed you. It's Jesus talking. I chose you. I love you. You've got to think like a bride. Hebrews 12.2, and we looked at that earlier, earlier. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So, Paul, who writes Hebrews, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. As I pictured myself fixing my eyes on Jesus and waiting as a bride. I thought to myself, and as I just was in touch with that, as I just felt that anointing and felt that position in Christ, I felt like, what best describes my posture right now? And this is the freaky thing that I want to introduce today that I'll show you in Scripture that you may ne- have never heard before. And is a key to perseverance, not the key, but is a key to perseverance, but a big one, I'd say. Calmness. Has anyone ever heard that before? But I'll show it to you right now. Now, I know we are a Red Bull generation. And I know that we're not going to sleep because we're going to sleep when we die. You know, everyone just wants to go crazy. But I want to show you something in Scripture that shows that calmness is part of this race of perseverance in terms of your posture as a bride. And the reason why is because of what calmness. So there's a lay on calmness. Calmness is just a... Um, a symptom. The cause of calmness is trust and rest. And I can guarantee you that I can tell the difference between an advanced runner, ultra-marathon runner, and a newbie. You know what the newbie looks like? And just watch them down at the front of the, of, uh, the beach, okay? The newbie looks stressed, okay? He's like been running for five minutes. He knows he's, he's been wanting to do this for years. Finally, like got the shoes on, got the, the suit, you know, the track, tried to look as good as possible, you know, because he's in public, um, and starts running, and that look on their face tells it all, like, I don't really want to do this, but I, I'm just forcing myself to. He's seen that look, okay? That's the newbie. Then suddenly, out of this storm of newbies and middle-level guys, suddenly you just see this image of this one runner that just makes running look so easy. It's probably a Marius, it would be a Marius type. You just see them coming through the, 
the sea of, you know, of pain and, and dismay and checking their watches and, you know, can't wait for this video. You see this, and there's just this look on their face of perfect calm. They're not stressed. They know what's going on. Would that be fair, Marius? <laughs> you know, during World War II, okay, let me do this one first. To show you a picture of that, and this picture came up last week, it was something that comes up a lot. Mary and Martha. You've got Martha freaking out, stressed, everything. And you've got Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Calm. God wants to put that calmness in you. Can you see that picture? You know, are you, are you guys getting that? Can you see Mary? Like, like, she's not even answering Martha. Martha's like freaking out. Jesus, tell Martha, tell Mary to come and help me prepare. Everyone knows the passage? Well worn. Mary's just like, she's not even like stressed. She's not even stressed that her sister's freaking out. She is calm. Are you guys getting this? Um, You're going to ask me, where is this in the Bible? I'm going to show you, okay? I'm going to show you that it's also part of making yourself beautiful for him. There was this, should I go there? I'll go there later. Psalm 37.1 in the NRV says, just the first few words, first three words, do not fret. What's the greatest leadership advice I ever received? Okay? Greatest leadership, not that I'm the, you know, the most experienced leader ever, but mine, okay? Um, I remember I was sitting with a, a leader, and a very good leader, and I was uh, telling them about this problem, and they were giving me advice, and eventually I could see that they ran out of answers, because I kept on adding new dimensions, and eventually I could see, okay, no, they don't have any more answers. Like, I, I beat them. And they just paused, and they had nothing more, no more answers, and they went, looked at me and just went, don't get rattled. Don't get rattled. Just don't get rattled. Like, whatever happens, just, just be calm. And we see that in World War II. They were bombing the crazy out of London, I mean, London was me flattened, and lo and behold, this poster emerged. That was a preach to the population of England. And we've all got it above our brows. But I can't remember it. Keep calm and carry on. And I'll tell you what, it was probably the greatest message of World War II to the British population. Keep calm and carry on King's crown there. From the King. To you guys, from the King, Jesus, keep calm and carry on. I know the place is getting bombed to pieces. Maybe in your life, you're like, I can't believe it. It looks like London right now in 1942, you know? Keep calm and carry on. There's something in that message that just speaks to us. And I say it's a deep, deep truth because it's based in trust and rest. 
in Him. What is required of a bride ready for a wedding day? She makes herself as beautiful as she could be, possibly be. Best makeup, best hair, best dress. But Jesus says to us that he, we don't make ourselves beautiful on the outside. We make ourselves beautiful on the inside. And 1 Peter 3, 3 to 4 says this. Your beauty, now I know it's talking about ladies, okay? But men, you can take one for the team here, okay? There's a truth in this, all right? Your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self. The ESV says, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. The unfading But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Do you have a gentle and quiet spirit right now? I can tell you that even, this is my opinion, even when David was whirling, dancing like crazy, if you had to go deep, deep, deep inside a spirit, I believe that it was gentle and calm because of how he dealt with people. He was just calm. Or is your life deep down in your spirit right now, which we can have a response time later and see that the Lord can help you based on this word here? I'm not sure who wrote that. Your reward is in heaven. If we let him... God will show us each personally the things weighing us down, slowing us down, preventing us from running the race well. We can have a response time where people can just say, you know what? I need this now. I need this. If Jesus is speaking to us as a congregation, I need this now. I need this calmness now. Or is your deep down right now, are you in chaos and uproar? Are you just, you know, some of the greatest revivals, and I know Andrew read them about four years ago, I read them at, I think it was The Gathering, you read about the, some of the greatest revivals, some of the, the, uh, the fruits or the visuals. People were just settled and calmed. They wouldn't go home because the presence of God was calming on them. It calmed them down. It settled them. I said to Russell, Russell was here, Two weeks ago, I said, Russell, you've got a calming effect on the guys. Why has he got a calming effect? Who, noticed, who felt calmer after Russell left? It's because it's God. It's a father. He calms us. He says, my child, be calm. Let this be your prayer. Psalm 131.2 But I have stilled and quieted my soul. In my version of the NIV, it says, But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child of this mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Why do you... Okay, I'll do that later. 
I'll tell you why you're going to be calm, is that you know that everything is going to be all right. And in worship, I had this one word that I felt the Lord showed me, which was inevitability, which I preached on before. There's inevitability about what's going to happen to you. If you keep on going the way that you're going right now, you're going to be with Jesus. Just let that still you. Whether the drama, whether South Africa falls apart, whether America falls apart, whether the world falls apart, just keep on going. You're going to be with Jesus. Forever. Join to him. There's inevitability in that. There's a promise in that. Just picture yourself here. I'll do that one a little bit later. James 5, 7 to 8, ESV. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. And this is the name of my preach if you want a title for it. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts. That's what I want to leave with you today. Establish your heart. Establish, it means uh, in Greek, sterizo. It means fix firmly. Fix firmly your heart. Fix your heart. Are you a bride? Please, guys, please get this. If you can't do this like romantic kind of, just, get, just do it. Because the Holy Spirit will anoint it. I don't know how we can do this romantic thing with Jesus, but we can. I've had it over and over and over again. Because it's not a physical thing. It's spirit to spirit. He's the lover of your soul. He's the lover of your soul. He digs you. He loves you. And that was the other prophetic word here that Adele brought. My beloved, you are mine. I have redeemed you. I chose you. I love you. That's the heart of God coming through to you. I've got two inspirational ultra-marathon running quotes for you. Okay, the first one. Run the f- I got this off Google. You can go find it just for yourself if you like, and there's more. Um, run the first third with your head. Okay, pa- you know, pacing, etc. Run the second third with your legs. Okay, you're just your strength. Run the last third with your heart. Even the marathon guys know he'll hit a stage. It's no longer head and it's no longer legs. It's just heart. And the second one, when your legs can't run anymore, run with your heart. These are runners, running quotes. These are marathon quotes. For us to finish this thing, and I had a prophetic word. Um, It was from... No, uh, yes... Yes, Tanya Brandis this morning. Why don't you come up and read it? Can you find it on your phone? Uh, I, I, I looked at this and I, and I went, okay, this is the Lord. Um, have you got it there, Tanya? Let's grab, grab the mic here. Yeah.
It's by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. I think that's how you say it. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people together to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. What I felt like the Lord is saying is get back to the basics. Get back to the heart. You know, you can train for the run. You can, get you, you can have the plan. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to finish with your heart. Get this heart thing right with Jesus. In Song of Songs 4.9, this is Jesus to us. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. Do you believe that Jesus is, that you have stolen Jesus' heart? I believe you have. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting here today. Only things that steal his heart would cause him to go to the cross, to pay that price. There's no way on earth that things that don't steal his heart would make him go and endure what he endured, the whipping, the pain, taking our sin. It's because we stole his heart. Here's the challenge. Has he still got yours? Has he still stolen your heart? That you don't actually care about anything. You don't care if the robot's green or red and you're in a rush. Because he's stolen your heart. Like when your heart's stolen and your heart's somewhere else, it's not yeah. It is and it isn't. But that's the beauty in it. It is and it isn't. Because if your heart is too much here, he hasn't stolen your heart. If he's stolen your heart, there's a part of, there's something in your heart that's like, not here. And everything kind of looks through that lens. It's just like, you know what? I'm heading for him. I'm that pro runner running through the novices, knowing that if I keep on going, there's inevitability that I'm going to get the prize. It's coming. And when I do that, this calmness comes over me that I do not fret. Because it doesn't matter. I used to watch this movie uh, when I was a kid. Do you know the one with the gophers in the, I think a gopher is a mole. I know they've been chewing up. Caddyshack. Is there a song in Caddyshack where the guy's saying, it just doesn't matter? Is, that, is it from there? Where they're saying, it just doesn't matter. It just, and they get all the kids to sing it. Because they're all like hung up about different stuff. Okay, I think it's from there. I know it's old. And I know the guys that do remember that movie. I know, I know, I know what it feels like. <laughs> you remember some things. Somewhere in the back are other things, okay? It just doesn't matter. None of the stuff matters. Don't stress the... Not, don't stress the little, is that? Don't, how does it go? Don't stress the little things. Don't sweat the small stuff. Actually, I'd almost say, just don't sweat anything. I'll tell you why, and this is why, because you ain't got this, but he's got this. So you're like, if he's got this, 
Ha, ha, ha. I'm light. I'm calm. I don't care. Well, I do, but I don't. Do you know what I mean? It's like this. Okay, let me bring it back to this vision now. A bride. Let me get the, the gender right. The bride waiting. Picture yourself as a bride. You're sitting before Jesus. Maybe close your eyes if that'll help you. All by yourself. And you're sitting like those ten virgins, waiting for him. That's all you're doing. At the end of the day, after all is said and done, you're sitting there and you're waiting. That's all you're doing. Keep that posture. Keep that posture. And while you're keeping that posture, remain calm. Everyone say, remain calm. Calm. 